for brethren, I want to start by uh, repeating something or sharing something with you. I want you to, I want you to um, hear these words. To restore all things. To dwell. The future. Visions. Dealing with, or maybe I'll throw in the word consequence or consequences. Do you know what I just shared with you? How many of you know what I just shared with you? You know what it was? Every message that you have heard, those words came from those messages, which I think is very powerful. Very powerful. A part of the wonderful truth, brother, we've been granted to understand is the purpose that we're all here to celebrate uh, this festival, which reveals a very special step in God's plan for humanity as well as for us. And that's something very special to think about. You know, all over the world, uh, humanity are celebrating all types of, there are all types of celebration, aren't there? Of many different types. But when you look at them, there's something different. They all tend to have their uh, place in paganism, don't they? Much of the holidays, much of the celebrations come from paganism. But nowhere on the face of this whole earth, brethren, will any celebration take place such as what we're doing now. It is the most beautiful opportunity anyone will ever have to be in preparation for the kingdom of God. All around the world, there is distressing news about the hatred and violence that mankind suffers each day. And, you know, it's all because of the result of the way of life mankind has chosen from itself. And the dangers of it all is apart from God. You just imagine that. As I think of what the Bible reveals about the mindset of mankind at the end time, something we'll look at in a moment. You know, brother, it becomes evident that we are, you know, or rather why we see so much suffering in this world. And we're looking forward to that coming to an end. I'm reminded of the book of Judges. <clears throat> it is stated sometimes that the book of Judges seems to be the most bloody or the bloodiest book, perhaps, in the Bible. But I'm also reminded of what Christ stated um, for us to understand, which is why we have the problems. Let's go over to John chapter 15. <clears throat> because one of the things we're going to have to understand <clears throat> is that apart from God, things just won't work. Mankind has been trying for thousands and thousands of years to do things their way apart from God. And what's the danger of it? John chapter 15, let's look at verses 4 and 5, where Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Because what happens when we do things apart from God, I think we can spell it catastrophe, can't we? Verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Look at the last sentence. For without me, you, the world, humanity can do what? Absolutely nothing. Apart from God, we spell failure. And since man's beginning, failure is the result. 
all because man doesn't want to do things God's way. There's a very serious problem, too, with that, uh, that mankind has that reveals the wrong attitude of disrespect and disobedience. And I want to I want let's go to Judges. I want to read one verse here. Judges chapter 21, the last <clears throat> uh, chapter, the last bo- uh, verse reveals what was wrong then. And, brother, we cannot deny that it's the same problem today. Judges 21, verse 25. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel. You know, in today's society, we may have leaders of nations, but I almost like to say the same thing. We really don't have leaders because everything that man is doing, he's trying to do it apart from God. And it won't work, will it? And look at the rest of the verse. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that not, does it not describe our day today? It does, doesn't it? It describes exactly what's wrong in our society. Um, and the leaders of the nations, even here in America, uh, it's Really sad to see how things are today. So much corruption, uh, unfaithfulness, and things keep rising up. It's just, it's, it's almost embarrassing. It is embarrassing. And we have to understand that man's on a crash course with destruction, and it's a result of sin. It's a result that man has made a decision to do things his way. In the Garden of Eden, that's pretty much the mindset. God said, don't do this, because if you do this, you're going to die. And what happened? You know what happened, which is a danger for God's people? Satan went to Eve, and what happened with her? She interacted with the evil one, with the enemy. We cannot interact with this society. We cannot take part in this society. But there's always good news, isn't it? Let's go to Matthew 24. I know you, you, throughout the feast, one of the things you learn when you speak, you almost want to be the first speaker because you get to go through all the scriptures because you know someone's going to come up and they're going to share. But that's okay because we can come at it from, with a, you know, from a different perspective. But there's good news, brethren. And despite all the evils that man is involved in, there's good news for mankind, isn't it? But there's trouble that lies ahead. There's devastation coming. Matthew 24, verse 21. We're breaking into the story because Christ had been explaining various things that would be happening. How nations would be against nations. You know, Dr. Meredith used to help us understand that. He was talking about ethnos, against ethnos. We've seen those problems in America. You know, uh, while we were at headquarters, it's been quite some years ago, Dr. Meredith said something that I have now seen come true. And he told us several years ago, he said, brethren, he said, I'm telling you now that racial tension will rise again in America. And it's true, isn't it? But not just in America. It's all around the world. It's all around the world. And we see it today in America. But And then he comes down to letting people understand things. And he says in verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation. 
That's something to stop and think about. We have to take this very seriously. Because he says it will be such as has not been since the beginning of the world. We're talking about the time we're living in. We may not know how many years we may still have left. But we're talking about our times. A time that has not been since any other time in human history. And when you look at the prophecies, we're now, what, uh, seven billion, maybe a little bit more? You're talking about billions of people dying. Such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, no, ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, he says, no flesh will be saved. Now, brother, you want to know how special you are to God? Look at the next sentence. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. You hold a special place in God's heart. How important is it then that we learn to obey him? That we learn the lessons this festival portrays to us. And because of, of um, this mindset, and uh, actually having this great hope of God's intervention in world affairs, you know, it actually allows us to celebrate. We know times are going to be tough. It's going to be stressful. But we can rejoice because we know that there's good news on the other side, isn't it? There's great news coming. God is going to reveal his incredible mercy before us, for the true saints of God, the Father will send Christ and say, go, my son, save your people. But it's for mankind as well, because they're going to have a role, a very important role as well. We're going to be there to help. So the soon coming kingdom, the kingdom of God is coming. That's something to just jump up and down about, isn't it? We're going to have a part in it. But until that time, though, mankind will continue on a downward spiral with destruction. Because mankind doesn't care, does it? I mean, when you make weapons that can destroy all life, that's not much love, is it? I don't know if it's true, but I heard once that mankind had made weapons that could destroy human life, but not the buildings. Well, who's going to take care of the buildings? Now, I don't know if it's true, but I, I did hear that. And I thought, wow, that lets us know mankind's mind under the sway of Satan the devil is sick. It's very sick. But one incredible lesson, brother, that we must be grateful for is that we are here. Because we have been called out by God. That is a tremendous blessing. Isn't it? Interesting that you could sit down with someone not called by God. You can open the Bible. You can read it and understand it. They could read the same scriptures and think you lost your mind. Now, you know, I, I know all of you have experienced that, haven't you? That's why you can't try to convert from God. God knows what he's doing. He, he's doing the calling. We have to be careful about trying to call people or do God's job. We need to do what he's called us to do. Let him do that. This means that we have knowledge of what the great God, what Jesus Christ, 
are doing that the religions of this world don't have. But that that shouldn't make us exalt ourselves, should it? It doesn't make us better than anyone. Because when we think we're better than anyone, I just encourage you to read First Corinthians. Find out who God called. Uh, then that swelling of the head will go down pretty quickly. And I think you all know what I'm talking about. You know, mankind desires to do things its own way. And I'm talking mostly religiously. And even if some do understand, they would still rather do things their own way. Mr. Wells touched on this. Let's go back to Romans 10. He touched on it. I really did appreciate the sermonette from him. Boy, it would be great to hear that in a, in a whole sermon sometime. But let's notice what the Apostle Paul writes here. I, I'm going to just read the first three verses here again. Because I want to share something with you. I, I took the liberty of looking into a couple of words. But Romans 10, verses 1 through 3, Paul writes, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Well, they may be saved. You know, I, I, I like the way he puts that. He says, it's in my heart. And I pray about it before God that he will save Israel. It should be in our hearts, brethren. And in our prayers to pray for humanity. That God will certainly intervene. He says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal of God or for God, but not according to knowledge. And why not? They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Why? Well, verse 3 answers it. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, we can stop right there. There's the problem. They want to do things their way. You know, Jesus talked about that. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines what? The commandments of men. They come up, they've come up with their own laws and own ways and have not submitted to the righteousness, the laws, the commandments the ways, and appreciate the grace, as we heard, that God has, God has extended to all of us. I took the liberty of looking up the word zeal. It's from the Greek word zelos, Z-E-L-O-S. It means passion, intense devotion, eagerness, or enthusiasm. Do we have that intense devotion to God? The eagerness, that enthusiasm, that passion to prepare for the kingdom of God. Do we really have it? When you read the last few verses of ver- words, rather verse two, that's what you think about. They didn't have it according to true knowledge because they wanted to do things their own way. They didn't want to listen to God. When you read the story of Israel, it's amazing how many times God rescued them after just total disrespect to him and his laws over and over again. You know, some may say, oh, if I was back there and I saw those miracles and all the things that God did, they walked through a red sea. I say, you'd be just like them. That's all. 
because they weren't grateful. Are we grateful, brethren, to be here today? Because we're here celebrating this awesome festival. But the question is that we ought to ask is, what's been on our minds the most since we've been here? What's been on your mind the most? You know, we can enjoy the beauty of being here. It's been beautiful since we all have been here. We can enjoy the beauty here. But what are we most focused on while we're here? Is it the fun things we do? Is it the abundance of food and drink? And I'll tell you what, that food last night, man, you need round two. (laughs) It was delicious. It was delicious. You know, Satan's always, he's like a fly. You know know that one fly you can't get rid of, right? You just can't get, well, we didn't have the fly. We had the gnats. My wife and I have no idea what happened in our home. She had flowers inside, and all of a sudden there were gnats everywhere. It may have been the flowers, but we didn't know. And so I took a napkin and, and wine. Gnats love wine. And I poured wine on, on the napkin, set it out, and we'd go away. And I, uh, of course, I got my huge flash water because I really want to take them out. And it would be a napkin full. And we did this for over a week, and every day it was a napkin full. <laughs> And after we took the flowers out, it was still a napkin full. We're going, what's going on? I blew Clorox down the drain. I bought everything imaginable trying to get rid of these things. I think it took us about two to three weeks to get rid of those gnats. But there was one that kept hanging around. And he was, he was one pesty little guy. And boy, when I, when I would get one, boy, yes! <laughs> Got him! I'd smash him on the mirror, pow! You know, oh! disgusting. But we can have the abundance of food. We can we can enjoy uh, strong drink and wine, which I'm sure some of us did last night. Or we should or must focus more on and learn and practice while we're here. Remembering this vital point that mankind is heading for the worst time in human history. Are we going to be prepared not to fall victim. Uh, I think it may have been Mr. Sandor may have quoted Luke 21, 36. Someone quoted it where Jesus says, watch and pray always. That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that's going to come on the earth. It's going to come on mankind. Are we watching? And are we praying? And brother, we're here to get a foretaste and to prepare for the kingdom of God. To rule with Christ. You think about that. We're going to rule with, and we could say God. Because Christ, we know, God was made flesh. But we must remember that God has revealed his great plan of salvation to us. And it is crucial, brethren, that we spiritually prepare for that time. The way we present ourselves during this festival, in the eyes of God, and on behalf of God, And to learn the lessons of how to help and serve others is vital. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 16. I just want to to, um, read. I I know we've seen these verses, but I want to read them again because I'm going to put a couple of emphasis on a couple of words here, here. Deuteronomy 16, verses 13 through 15, of course, in verse 13, he commands that we observe this feast. 
Verse 14, and you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant and the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless and the widow. God commands us to rejoice at this feast. What are we doing to rejoice? I'm going to come back to that verse in a little later. I just wanted to get your mind thinking about that. The title for the sermon today that I'll give you is a joyous festival celebration. And boy, we ought to have, and we are having, I believe, a joyous festival celebration. It is so wonderful to be together with God's people. And to see everyone smiling and all the conversations. You know, I'm one sometimes that watch a lot. Watch to see how the kids, we have beautiful children here. And to see them excited and running around and, and all of the things that they do. And to watch you talking, yeah, I'm watching some of you. But I just love to see everybody having a good time. So why are we here, brethren? You know, one of the things we can say is we're here to celebrate the coming of the kingdom of God. Isn't that going to be beautiful? Isn't it going to be powerful? But one very misunderstood, misguided mindset man has is to believe that it can bring about peace through war. Now, that's very misguided, isn't it? To think that. Whoever carries the big stick, I'm in control. We've had those guys, haven't we? Mussolini, Hitler. World domination wants to bring about world peace. There is no way in the world... Human beings, apart from God, will ever bring peace. We are too selfish and inconsiderate for others. It will never happen. We have to learn to have a great respect for God and his way of life. And remembering this, that it called, in order for us to be here, in order for mankind to have hope, it called for the sacrifice of the Son of God. And how much do we appreciate it? Because I'll tell you, Mankind doesn't appreciate it. Really doesn't. As Mr. Wells said, you have this group that wants grace. And that's all they talk about. You have this group that talks about the law. We have us. We better consider both. It just doesn't work. We have to consider those things. So we come here, brother, to celebrate, not because we have eight days away from work or school. I was going to trick you. I was going to ask you a question. How many of you are having a great vacation? You better not raise your hands. <laughs> because there's a greater meaning to this festival of celebration that we must, un, you know, uh, must not undermine, brethren. Because we're not here on vacation. I've heard that before. I heard people say that. Man, I'm having a great vacation. I said, you ought to go home and start over. Because you came for the wrong reason. It's not why we're here. We're here to celebrate. Given the history of humanity, we must conclude without reservations, brethren, that it is impossible for man to bring about peace. There are two major events that need to take place uh, before peace is going to be on this earth. First, what do you think it is? The return of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else. What's the second one? The binding of Satan the devil. Both holy days we just celebrated, didn't we? Isn't it interesting that God even tells us during the Day of Atonement that we are to what? Celebrate. The Day of Atonement. 
when your stomach is reaching to the back for something. But we're still to celebrate. Because I like to think about it. Satan is going to be bound. No longer will man have control. Because apart from God, we make a mess, don't we? We have raped the earth. We are destroying everything we touch. We're destructive. But you have to have that. And until those two events take place, there will never be uh, peace, brethren, at all. It only will come to pass when Jesus Christ comes. Isaiah 46. Let's go there for a moment. Isaiah 46. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mr. Sandor did read these and maybe maybe a couple of others. But I love these verses because I like to put man to shame. And they think they're going to do this and do that, how great they are. Oh, America is great. Yes, it is. I might want to say it used to be. Because right now we're too immoral. We go along with everything. And you'll see that in a moment. I won't jump ahead, but Isaiah 46, verse 8. Remember this and show yourselves men. In other words, act like a man. Stand up and give an account. He says, remember this and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, oh, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. And then what does he say? He says, I am God. You know, isn't it crazy that ancient Israel was delivered in such a powerful way? And then they go out and make a calf. And Aaron says, this is your God. And God tells Moses, what is all that noise down there? I don't know. He goes down and, Aaron, what have you done? Oh, I threw the gold in in the fire and this calf jumped out. Really? Just like that. He says, well, I am God. You know how many times I would, I would encourage you to do a, a, a phrase study, I'll call it. And notice how many times God says, for I am the eternal. Notice how many times he says that. I am God and there is none like me. None. All these false gods. Out there, he says, declaring the end from the beginning. That's not a statement just to read over. Because during my ministry, we've run into people that say, oh, um, I listened to this prophet. And I said, you did. So, well, I got a question. Since God has declared the end from the beginning, what is he going to tell me? What can he prophesy? Don't fall for that stuff. You know, brother, one of the greatest dangers for God's people right now, and I've seen it over and over and over, I've seen people leave over it. And I call it people going on the Bible Internet or the Internet Bible. And some strange person comes up with some idea and we get intrigued by it. And I want to pose one question. How can you listen to an unconverted person tell you what God is doing? so many fall for it, don't they? Over and over and over. And people leave God's church. You know, prophet so-and-so said this. I remember (laughs) we went on a visit. And I think maybe he was just filling things out. Say, yeah, I, I went and met with this lady. She's a prophet. And she told me to go down to this place and I was going to get a job. 
And I went down to this place. And Mr. Stroud, I got the job. I got a part-time job, and it was great. And I said, God, don't do things part-time. And that's, that conversation quickly came to an end, and he put on the roller skates, and he got out of there. But declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. God says, I declare that. So no prophet, brethren, listen to me carefully. Do not go on the Internet and listen to a prophet. God has prophesied from the beginning what's going to happen at the end. So I don't know anything a prophet could come up with other than deception. And we shouldn't be deceived by those things. So from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying what? My counsel, my counsel, not the counsel of false prophets, not the counsel of men. My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Count on it. Count on it. I'm going to let's let's turn to Daniel four. You want to see how. You have people, leaders, sometimes who think they're so great. And they're so powerful. Even some who claim to be God or set themselves up in such a way. Now, you all know the story about Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. Daniel 4. I won't, I won't take the time to go through all of it. You can read it later. But you want to see what God can do when you have those who think they're greater than God? Verse 25. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till what? What's the purpose of God allowing him to be put in that state? Look at the last sentence. Till you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Huh? Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, did you learn your lesson? For a while. Just maybe for a while he came back and he said, I think he kind of repeated that, doesn't he? Made him walk like an animal. Just run around, eat grass, eat from the ground like an animal. See, people have to be careful. You take, you, you take the same thing, in, I won't turn there, but Exodus chapter 2 verses 1 through 8, the story of Moses. Pharaoh wanted to go out and he wanted to destroy all, ma- all the males, right? Wanted to get rid of them. What does God do? Sometimes God makes men look foolish. So you're going to destroy all of God's males that come out of the womb, right? So God takes Moses, gets Pharaoh's daughter, make her take care of him, <laughs> right? Right in his face. Now you talk about in your face. That's in your face. See, so... Man has to be careful, thinking they're greater than God. When God instituted these festivals, brethren, he revealed the importance of how we are to come in his presence in observing these days. Let's go to Leviticus 23. Just to touch on it again, I won't read all of it. I'll just read a couple of verses here, put some emphasis on it. Because there's some interesting information. Here is what... Here is why, part of why I should say we're here. Right here in these verses, God gives us a reason we're here. 
There's a lot more. I mean, we, we've heard those things through other sermons. But notice this in verse 33 and 34. He gives the command to, to, to keep the feast right for seven days. Now drop down to verse 39. And also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the eternal for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest connecting the last great day. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day. He tells them what to do. How to what to put together, and then what does he say in the last sentence? And you shall what? Rejoice, brother. We're here to rejoice because the world is about to go through a major change. It's going to take time, but the world is about to go through a major change, and God wants us to rejoice before the eternal your God for seven days. God said, "I want you, I want you to come together as a one great family, one body." The body of Christ. And I want you to celebrate. I want you to remember what I'm about to do in this world for every nation. Some nations, the descendants of Israel, America, Britain, are going to suffer tremendously. America has been the greatest nation I think ever existed. And what do we say to God? You didn't do it. What's going to happen? It's going to take it away. You want to act like a sport little brat? Now, I'm not talking about any of your kids now. I'll take it away. If you don't appreciate it, I'll take it away. North Carolina is my wife and our hometown. And just a few miles down the road, in Fayetteville and the surrounding areas, it's unbelievable what's happening. I saw pictures on the news the other day with rain. It's not even, it hasn't been raining lately, but the water's still rising. We have a grandson in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I have not heard from him yet. I hope we'll hear from him. But the, and Fayetteville was hit pretty hard. But the waters are rising over and over. God warned us about these things. You look in the prophecies. But he said we're to come before him, thankful to him, and rejoice because God is offering us the opportunity to be in his kingdom. How long? Forever. Verse 41, you shall keep it as a feast to the eternal for seven days in the year. It shall be a statue forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. There's the second reason. God says, I want you to rejoice and I want you to celebrate. So he sets up a principle to save called second time. I think Mr. Weston may have mentioned that some have not saved their second tithes faithfully. What is that called? Stealing. It's breaking God's law. Because he commands us to do it. And when we don't, we're stealing from God. And what did he say about thieves? Especially if you go to Malachi, what did he say? You're cursed with a curse. Because you're not obeying God. Those two words, rejoice and celebrate, interesting. Rejoice means to brighten up. Some of us have family members that are not in God's church. Family members that we care about and hope that they will hear. But, you know, we can brighten up because the future is set. Every human being will have an opportunity to be in God's family. Just not everyone now. 
because God's not trying to save the whole world, which is a lie that much of today's Christianity tells. That if you don't serve God now, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell and burn for all eternity. I think that's very sad. Because it's like we make God a monster. You really think God wants to stand around for all eternity listening to people scream and yell? It makes no sense. And all you have to do is read what was written in Malachi. The wicked shall be ashes under the soles of the saints, the feet of the saints. Isn't that what it says? Nobody's going to burn in some hellfire forever. God wants us to rejoice and celebrate. He wants us to brighten up, to be merry, but not from drunkenness now. This is not the feast of booze. But it's okay to have wine and a little strong drink. Boy, mine was strong last night. <laughs> I thought, man, she tried to kill me? Had a lot of alcohol in it. Finally, I went, poured it over the ship. Might have a few drunk fish out there. But we're to celebrate. You know what the word celebrate means? It means to move in a circle, to, to dance, to reel to and fro. Some Mr. Sin out there, he was kicking the feet around a little bit. That wonderful time, but we're here to rejoice. We're going to be in the family of God. God opened our minds to his truth. He forgave us all of our sins. And he granted us the greatest gift we could have now, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only way we're going to make it. We can't do this apart from God. Not at all. And I do mean not at all. That word celebrate, if I remember it correctly, also it was, it says to be giddy. I thought, hmm, that's an interesting word. Now he's not talking about climb up on a horse and go, giddy up horse. No. You know, happy, grateful, thankful, appreciative to God because he sacrificed his son. We were made in the very image of God. To become the children of God for all eternity. That is a special blessing. When you read Romans 8 and Revelation uh, 21, and I may be jumping a little ahead here, but you're talking about inheriting things. We're going to be inheritors with Christ. That's awesome. That is awesome, brother. I don't care what we inherit today. You think about what God is offering. And we have to take that to heart and take it very seriously. So I ask the question again. Why should we rejoice and celebrate? I ask that question. Why should we rejoice and celebrate? While we are here celebrating this festival, brother, events around the world continue to go forward, don't they? They're going they're on the downward slide towards great tribulation. That's what we have to keep in our mind. And Pete and God's people understand what God is about to do. To end what Paul was reveal is revealing. Let's go to Second Timothy three. We understand what God is doing. Now here's a prophecy in Second Timothy three that Paul gives. And when you look at this prophecy, you know what it tells you, brother? It tells us about the mindset of humanity. And see, that's the great danger. That we face. Because what's in the mind, we end up seeing in action, don't we? Second Timothy three. Let's look at verse one. But know this, that in the last days, 
perilous times will come. Dangerous times, stressful times will come. Difficult times will come. What's the problem with humanity at the end of the age? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boy, somebody must have taken a great look down through history, didn't it? Down to the future to see that mankind today would be a lover of money and would do anything in the world to achieve it. It doesn't matter who is stepped on. I think Mr. Armstrong used to say we live in a society, this is a society of get. I'll get what I want even if I have to step on you and knock you down to get it. Lovers of money, lovers of themselves. Wow. Ooh, that's a strong one, isn't it? Um, blasphemers, proud, blasphemers, boasters. I, I skipped that one. Disobedient to parents. Now, I blame that on the parents. Because parents are too busy trying to be kids' friends rather than being a parent. And I want to say this to, all, to, to you, brethren. So that you can have time for yourself, it is not good to give your children cell phones and these iPhones and all this stuff so they can go off and leave you alone. That's a dangerous thing to do. That means we don't take Satan very seriously. That he is the prince of the power of the air. That's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing for grown-ups to be on that Internet too much looking at all this junk. I remember one time I was, <laughs> I was on the Internet and I was just going through some things. I found out later that people were using Mr. Armstrong's uh, name and everything to set up bogus websites. And I saw Mr. Armstrong and I clicked. Stop the kids ears up. <laughs> I'll just say it was just nakedness. And then my computer locked up. That was intention. Then the picture of President Obama come up. Ha, ha, ha. I'm coming to get you. And my computer was locked up. But pornography, nakedness. People are not ashamed of that anymore. You remember what happened in the garden? When they ate the fruit of the forbidden tree, what happened? Said so the eyes were open. What happened? What, what happened then? They realized they were naked. Became ashamed. Sin is shameful. And it brings shame. And sins, your sins, our sins, can hurt others. And that's exactly what it did. It's been going the same direction since the Garden of Eden. They would be unthankful, unholy, uh, unloving, unforgiving slanderers without self-control. Now, that's a biggie. Without self-control. Now, are we living in a society that is without self-control? Yes. What's one of the fruits of the Spirit? Self-control. See what God's teaching us? God wants us to look more and more like his son. He wants to form and shape us to be more and more like Christ. And when we read about Christ, he was so loving and caring. The Bible talks about the fact that if, if, they, were, if they were to write in a book, all the miracles that Christ did, the books of the world couldn't hold it. And think about this. Three and a half years in a ministry, he did that much. That's amazing to me. Without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. We, Oh, wow, we know that one. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Uh, there's, we can't 
my wife and I stopped over in Nashville on the way here. And we wanted to go downtown to look around. And we did that night. And I'll tell you what, I think every restaurant or every place, I guess they were restaurants. We might as well call them beer joints. There were live bands. And boy, were they partying. What do you say? As it was in the days of Noah, what's, what's going on? Sexual immorality. It was beautiful. The lights and all that were beautiful, just like we saw on the, on the um, cruise last night. It was beautiful to, to ride down the, the water and look on the side and see the beautiful lights from the cities and all of that. But what's going on? What's happening? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. But what do they do? He says they deny its power. And what does he warn us? There's the grave warning. Turn away from those people. From such people. Turn away. Don't get involved. Luke chapter 21. Look at Luke. Because here's what we're going to be seeing in the, in the days and months and years ahead of us. Luke 21. Here is what we have to look forward to. But brethren, we celebrate because even though these things are treacherous, these things are going to be brutal, horrible. We can look beyond all of that. But I just want to share this with you. Luke chapter 21, 21 verses 5 through 11. Verse 5, then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations he said, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, I want to tell you something that probably shocked the disciples because they were telling Christ how beautiful it was. And he said, that's what, guys. <laughs> London Bridge is falling down. It's coming down. And that probably shocked them. Then he begins to warn them about signs of the end time. So they asked him, saying, teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? What's the first warning he gives? Religious confusion. False Christianity. That's the very first thing he names. Take heed, verse 8, that no, that no, that you, I'm sorry, that you not be deceived. I'm thinking of Matthew's quote as well. Many will come in his name, he said. Men will preach about Jesus Christ all over the world. And all we have to do is just take a look. What's happened in our time? Churches has they, they've, uh, risen up everywhere. You could drive for a block. I know we went to D.C. Uh, recently. And we drove less than half a block. And I know my wife was, was counting. I think we counted about eight churches. Humongous buildings, millions of dollars spent, and they're preaching a false doctrine. That's the truth. You know it is. So he warns about religious confusion in a very special way. He talked about verse um, 9, but when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. And he talks about nation being against nation and all of those things. They're great signs. These are just the beginning of sorrows, isn't it? Look at verse 25. How, how treacherous are these things? And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on earth, 
distress of nation, nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Look at verse 26. Men's heart failing them from fear. Wow. And the expectation of those things which are coming on where? The earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Maybe men are having heart attacks. Because it's going to be so devastating. But brother, we know this. God is preparing us for that. We know what's happening. That's why we're here to learn to prepare for these things and what will take place in the kingdom of God. He says in verse 27, he says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And he says, look, when you see all these things happening, look up. Rejoice. Celebrate. Maybe it'll be a little difficult, but we can because we know that our redemption is near. Our redemption is near. Brother, for the remainder of the time, I'd like to give you some things that I think events that are going to take place in the not too distant future for us and for the world that we can rejoice, that we can celebrate about. We can really do that. Number one, the marriage of the Lamb has now taken place. We enter into, when Christ returns to this earth and sets foot on this earth, sets up the kingdom of God, we're Christ's bride. That's, that's joyful. Revelation 19. Let's go over there because I like to read this. Revelation 19. The marriage of the Lamb has now taken place. We have now been granted immortality, eternal life in the family of God. And that's a blessing, isn't it? That's something to rejoice over. That's something to celebrate about. Revelation 19, verse 1. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. God judges in righteousness because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. No matter how much mankind comes against us, God's people for the truth, for the word of God, for the laws of God. You mess with God's people, you're going to give an account. And they said, hallelujah, verse three, and smoke, her smoke rises up forever and ever. God is dealing with this beast power, with this false prophet and all this garbage. I call it garbage because that's what it is. It's garbage that man is doing. The hurt, the pain, the suffering that is being caused. Verse 4, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. Brother, when we pray in the morning, in the afternoon, and night, do we praise God? Do we say thank you, Father, for your wonderful blessings? I love to say, Father, thank you for calling me out of religious confusion. Because the world is confused religiously. Verse 6, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and the sound of many waters and the, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice 
and give him glory. See, God wants us to rejoice because we know this is coming soon. We know it's going to be a reality. We know it's going to happen. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. Now I want to stop there. and I want you to think about this. How important is it for us to obey God? To live a life of obedience to God? Look at the rest of the verse. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. That is so important, brethren. That we clean up our lives and get prepared to rule with Jesus Christ as kings and priests in his soon coming kingdom. Look at that. Her fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints of God. That is vital, brethren. It's vital that we straighten it out. And that's why we're here, hearing the messages that we've already heard. I think they were very encouraging. Very encouraging what we've already heard. Powerful messages. Very grateful for them. Go to verse 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, in righteousness he judges and makes war. He makes war in righteousness. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called what? The Word of God. Our Savior, our living high priest, our Lord. He's coming. And, and, there's an and. And is that conjunction word. You can't have this part without that part. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, clean followed him on White horses. Fine linen. Who's that? Who, who is it? I'll leave it for your thoughts. Who is it? Who's on those horses? With Christ. That's amazing, brother, when we think about and we ask the question, how are we making ourselves ready for the marriage of the Lamb of God? What character changes can we make at this festival? You know, let's go back to Deuteronomy. And I better step it up a little bit here or I won't get through all my points here. Deuteronomy 16. I only have four, but hopefully I can get through them. But Deuteronomy 16 again. Because now I want to put emphasis on this one verse, verse 14. Because I want you to see how we can develop character, love, and compassion, and caring at this feast. Verse 14, and you shall rejoice in your feast. You your son, your daughter, your male servant, and your female servant, and the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. God is commanding us to care for everyone. To make sure we do what we can to serve each other at this feast. Because guess what? We're going to serve humanity in his kingdom. So we get to practice it here. Right here, brethren. Put it to practice in our lives. Number two, I love this. You ready for this? I love this. I, I, I want to put on some dancing shoes when I think about this. It will be a Satan-free society. Now, if you can't rejoice over that, then you better come and see 
You better no, I'll send you over to Dr. Fall. He, he he's been around a whole lot longer than me. You go over there and you talk to him. You can't rejoice that this is going to be a Satan free society. Do you know the importance of that? A Satan free society? Wow. Brother, we think about that. We ought to jump for joy. Zechariah, let's go to Zechariah 8. We ought to jump for joy. That's like getting rid of that that little net I couldn't get rid of. I don't know how many days it took me to get rid of that net. And I'll tell you, that rascal must have had some shells on his body because I know I whacked him a couple of times. He got up and said, yeah, yeah, and he'd fly off. I couldn't get rid of that thing for nothing in the world. But I got news for, for Satan and his demons. When Christ returns, buddy, you're out of here. Zechariah 8, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous. I am jealous for Zion with great zeal, with great jealousy, with great fervor. I am zealous for her because of the devastation. Do we realize what's going to happen in this world? Do we really realize it? Jerusalem is going to be devastated. I think America is going to be devastated. Britain. A lot of the descendants of Israel. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called what? The city of truth. The mountain of the eternal host, the holy mountain, thus says the Lord of hosts, all men, look at this, brethren, all men and all women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with his staff in his hand because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. I remember when we were young, I was in my teen years, we would go get sticks out of the woods and get a couple of blankets and set up tents right in the front yard. How many of you would do that today? Don't you raise your hand. I wouldn't put a dead dog out, out front today. People are vicious, man. Evil. I was looking at the sad news this morning. Some little boy uh, with autism. Gone. Been gone for four days. Gone. Just like that mother's cry. It hurts so bad to see that. But the Bible says that day is going to come when they can play in the streets. It's going to be full of boys and girls. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. If it is marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, will it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord of hosts? Thus says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west. I will bring them back and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people. and I will be their God in truth and what? Righteousness. Everything's about to change. Everything's about to change, brother. Verse 11. But now I will not treat the remnant of this people as in the former days, says the Lord of hosts. For For the seed shall be prosperous. The vine shall give its fruit. The ground shall give her increase. And the heavens shall give their due. I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And it shall come to pass that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, So I will save you and you shall be a blessing. Do not fear. Let your hands be strong. For thus says the Lord of hosts, just as I determined to punish you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, said the Lord of hosts, and I will not relent. So again, in these days, I am determined to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. He says what? 
Don't be afraid. It's coming. And we're going to be a part of that. And we're here to practice those things right now. God is also with us now, brethren. And I believe the day will come when some, maybe your neighbors, maybe your co-workers, will begin to ask you questions as they see things turning around in a wrong way. And they see you prospering and, and living and understanding things. They may want to say, tell me about your God. Tell me what you do. <clears throat> well, then when that comes, guess what the next thing is that we rejoice over? Number three, the knowledge of God will fill the whole earth. The educational system is going to change. Everything's about to change. It's going to be a beautiful world, and we're going to have a part in it. And the joy that we have in this is the fact that we will, we definitely will be able to assist Christ in spreading the truth in the world. Because we know it's needed now, don't we? It's needed greatly right now, brother, today. Because our schools, our colleges, religious organizations, and many other places all teach that everything goes, don't they? Everything goes. Whatever, whatever pleases you, do it. That's the most foolish thing we could teach. Everyone wants to be politically correct. And mankind pushes uh, something that God gave warning against long ago. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 5. Notice what is stated. Isaiah chapter 5. I might just make it. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah 5. Look at verse 20. Let's start there. might help if I go to Isaiah 5 too. Verse 20. Notice this warning that God gave long ago. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in what? Their own eyes. That's the society we live in. And prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. Who justify the wicked for a bribe. And take away justice from the righteous. Isn't that something to think about? You know, you don't want a woe to you. Whoa, you might want to listen when he says those things. Isaiah chapter 11. I think we we did touch on this because I love this verse. And what's above it is interesting, too. I won't take the time to read it all, but it talks about the wolf and the lamb going to dwell together. What would a wolf do to a lamb right now? Man, he'd have lamb chop, wouldn't he? But in the kingdom of God, guess what? The nature of the animals will change. They won't be hurting. Verse 9, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Why? Because the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. Just think about that, brother. And we will be instrumental in spreading that truth. We have a major responsibility coming. And that is very, very wonderful. You can write down Revelation verses 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 4, which states, Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. You know, when you look at some of the lessons there in Isaiah 2, I'll give you these things quickly. 
People have a desire to, to be taught by God's way. That's what they want to do. Isaiah 2, back up over there quickly. Uh, see, I'm getting close to the end here. Isaiah 2, verses 2 through 4, beautiful situation that's now going to uh, permeate the earth. It shall come to pass in the latter days. We know latter days is a reference to the end time that the mountain or the kingdom of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. Every nation, all nations will flow to it. Many people will come and say, listen, I want you to teach me about the great God. I no longer want to learn man's way. We're going to have to deal with human nature. People are want, going, going to need, they're going to have, they're going to have a need. A desire, I should say, to know the truth, a powerful truth of God's way of life. Let's go up to the mountain of the Lord. He's going to teach us his ways. And we'll learn to walk in his path. Why? Because out of Zion shall go forth what? The law. Boy, we can tell. I wonder what Luther thought about that verse. In the kingdom of God, the law is going to go forth. And the word of the Lord from the from Jerusalem. And they will not have war. Will not have war. Everyone that destroyed the earth, God's going to deal with them. Christ will deal with them at his return. Psalm 119, 172. Is a verse that I hope we all will make a memory verse. And I'll just read it. My tongue shall speak of your your word. For all your commandments are what? Righteousness. God's laws are special. They teach us a way of life. They teach us how to live. But as we heard, they don't save us because we keep them. We have to have faith in the Son of God. And then live a life of obedience before him. And the last point I'll give you is this. This is what we need to do the rest of this feast. And that is preparation for the kingdom is vital. We must prepare for the kingdom of God. We must do all we can to see a change in our lives. Do we see any changes from the last feast, from the last Passover? Do we participate in the activities that are put together for us to come together to rejoice and be a family? We're here to be a family. I've coordinated the feast two times in Panama. There's a lot of work to be done. And then we come together and we can rejoice together. You know, it's written in Acts 14.22. You don't have to turn there. But when you think about preparation for the kingdom being vital, it mentions, it mentions I think it's Peter that mentions that we must through many tribulations do what? Enter the kingdom of God. Are we willing to go through tribulations? Are we willing to face the trials? And the test. I love what he mentioned when he read Peter. Where Peter said, I'm going to make sure I remind you. And then Peter said, when I'm dead, guess what? I'm going to keep reminding you. Over and over. I've heard it mentioned before. We had a gentleman that attended the feast for the very first time in his life. He was so happy. And he was serving. I think he was doing park and he was so happy. You want to know what happened, brother? And I hope we won't do this. He came to me. He said, he said, Anthony, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, why is some of God's people keep saying, oh, I've heard it before. 
Oh, I was dumbfounded. I, I, I didn't know how to respond. I was actually hurt because I couldn't believe that we would come to this festival where we are to rejoice and to celebrate in preparation for the kingdom of God and say, heard it before? Well, if you got that attitude, guess what? You need to hear it again. Because it didn't set in, did it? You need to hear it again and again and again. Repetition. Because I'll tell you what, brethren, for me right now, I, I, I've been trying to review, but the sermons, the sermonettes we've heard is incredible food. And that's been the best part for me. A couple of nights I've awakened early in the morning. Let's go to Revelation 21 and I'll close with this one. I've waken up early in the morning and, man, why am I waking up so early? I wake up and look out the window to see if the chickens are out. I think I'm up before them. But it's been the messages. Incredible spiritual food. That's why we're here. To be fed spiritually so we can feed on Christ and prepare to rule with Jesus Christ in his kingdom. Revelation 21, we'll close with this. How do we prepare? What do we have to do? Here's, here's a couple of things. Revelation 21, verse 6. I'm, yeah, verse 6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes. Those who overcomes shall inherit all things. Isn't that beautiful? And I will be his God. And he shall be my son or my daughter or my child. God wants us to inherit all things. So for the remainder of this feast, the remainder of this feast, let's rejoice. Let's celebrate. Let's meet and talk with one another. And encourage each other to prepare for the kingdom of God.